Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> and let's just read from verse 1 to pick up the context. And then we'll open a word of prayer. Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them uh, the decrees for to keep for they uh, that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Let's um, open word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this most wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here in your, your house and to spend time, Lord, around your word. We pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts through the passage that's before us. Lord, you would teach us, uh, you would instruct us through it, uh, refresh us through your word this morning. And Lord, I pray you would empower me through the Spirit now, give me wisdom and guidance to speak, that, Lord, indeed it would be your words, it would be your thoughts, and that, Lord... Uh, you and you alone be seen this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, last Sunday evening, we began to look at Paul's second missionary journey, and we did that by looking at the makeup of his new missionary team. Okay, if you remember at the end of Acts chapter 15 there, there's a, a dispute that happens between Barnabas and Paul. They had a disagreement over who should make up this missionary team that was going to go around and visit the churches they saw on their first journey. Barnabas, of course, wanted to take Mark with them. He wanted to give him a second chance. Paul, on the other hand, wanted to take someone reliable. He didn't want to give Mark that chance to fail him again, if you like. And so Barnabas took Mark and he went and sailed off to Cyprus. And Paul, on the other hand, chose Silas to partner him and he, he travelled off uh, to the northwest uh, to work with Silas. And so together they set out travelling uh, basically in a reverse direction to what Paul did on his first missionary journey. Okay? Uh, Paul's first journey had ended with Lystra and then Derby, and then he returned the other direction. This time they've gone to Derby first and then they come to Lystra. As we saw last Sunday evening, it was at Lystra they met the young man, Timothy. Okay? And Timothy was then added to the missionary team. They enlist him to join with them. So now there's these three men traveling together, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, traveling together to visit the churches throughout Galatia, the churches that Paul had planted with Barnabas on his first missionary journey. And the point of this journey was to establish the brethren and to strengthen the brethren. That's what verse 5 tells us, it says, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And so this was the purpose of Paul's missionary journey, to visit these churches, strengthen them, establish them in the faith. And so by the time we get to verse 5, they've completed uh, that, that task. They've completed what they set out to do. They've visited these churches. They've strengthened them in the faith. And so now they're starting to look for God's leading and God's guidance as to where they should go next. They're looking for where they should serve next. 
You know, Paul and his team are very zealous and keen to spread the gospel message. Very keen to move on to another new location and get the gospel message out. You know, Paul and his team had ideas about where they should labour next. But God's plans turned out to be totally different, completely different. It's what Paul and Silas and Timothy wanted to do. You know, because they were sensitive to the Lord's plans, because they were sensitive to the Lord's will, they allowed God to lead them. They followed his direction. And God led them to their next major centre of ministry, which was Macedonia. And so this morning, I want to look at the events that unfold here and the leading of the Spirit in the lives of his servants. Notice first this morning, if you will, we see the prohibition to visit. The prohibition to visit. In verse 6, we read now, When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. So as I said, they've completed their original task. They visited those churches in Galatia that he'd established on his first visit. And now it seems that Paul and uh, his missionary team, their desire is to continue heading west. Okay, to continue heading west into Asia Minor. That's uh, so what it says there in verse 6. Okay, um, that when they'd gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And so it's Asia Minor that they've got their eyes set on here. That's the, the direction that they want to go. So it's further to the west. You know, Asia was a... Uh, a attractive proposition, if you like, for Paul and his missionary team. You know, one commentator wrote this, Asia with its teeming cities like Ephesus, Smyrna and Sardis, its large Jewish population, its great idolatrous worship, was naturally attractive to one who was seeking with all his energy a rapid expansion of the kingdom of the Lord. In Asia Minor there, you've got cities like Ephesus, Smyrna, Sardis, these cities we know well, we read about them in the in the epistles, don't we? These other cities. And so to, to the human eye, to Paul and his team, their reasoning, Asia Minor looks like a good place to go. You've got these big te- cities teeming with people who need the gospel. You've got a large Jewish population, which meant that there was synagogues, which gave them a platform to preach. And so it seemed to be the place to go. It seemed like it was right for the gospel message. But you know, the Lord had other plans. You know, Ephesus, Smyrna and Sardis would all receive the gospel message. But not yet. It wasn't God's timing. You know, God closed the door here. God closed the door and, he, and instead he pointed them in a completely different direction. You see here at the end of verse 6, it says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. You know, Luke doesn't elaborate on this for us he doesn't tell us how the spirits forbid them you know whether the lord spoke to them in a dream here or a vision or maybe in one of the churches they visited there was a prophet and the prophet got a message from the lord and delivered it to paul and his team we don't know we're not told how the spirit forbade them from preaching in asia but we're told that he does the spirit said no you know basically that's what happens here isn't it you know, Paul and his team, they've got their hearts set upon going into Asia Minor and these cities, Ephesus, Sardis, 
these cities that look like they're ripe for the gospel? And the Lord said, no. You know, Paul's heart here was right before God, wasn't it? His desire was for the souls of men. But God said, no. God closed the door. You know, it reminds us that God doesn't always say yes, doesn't it? God doesn't always say yes. You know, when we're praying and we're desiring to do a good work for him, we're praying and desiring about something, and it's a good thing. The Lord doesn't always say yes. Sometimes the Lord's answer, plain and simple, is no. And we have to accept it, don't we? We have to accept that God knows best, accept that he's said no, that he's closed the door. But, you know, often what we want to do is keep pushing, don't we? Keep pushing on the door. Keep pushing to try and get through that door. But the Lord has said no. And sometimes we have to just accept that that's the Lord's will. That he's closed the door for a reason. As I said, Paul's intentions here were right, weren't they? He wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to reach Asia Minor for the Lord. But it wasn't God's timing. You know, Paul eventually was given the privilege of evangelizing Asia at a later date. Now, when you come to Acts chapter 19, this is where he ends up. He comes back to Ephesus and to this very area and preaches the word. And we end up with the, the epistle to the Ephesians. And to the Thessalonians as well, because he goes across to Macedonia, as we'll see. Because he follows the will of the Lord, he ends up in all these other places, in God's perfect timing. You see, God had other plans for Paul and his team. And so God shut the door. So having barred him from entering into Asia, you know, Paul and his team are now wondering, what do we do? And so they set their eyes now to the north. Verse 7, it says, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. The Spirit suffered them not. So they come to Mysia and they look to continue even further north into Bithynia. Now, if you look at the map, okay, sort of I've got to try and do it the wrong way around. You've got Israel, you come up to Galatia, okay, and then you go across into Asia Minor. Mysia is above Asia Minor and then above that is Bithynia, right up on Uh, The Black Sea is Bithynia. And so that's where they're looking to go. They're looking to go right up to the north, right up to minister, right up the top there on the Black Sea to the people up there. You know, Luke is not precise here about the locations. He doesn't give us names of cities. He just tells us that he's at the border of Mysia, Mysia, sorry, and Bithynia, or on the borders between the two. As I said, it's right up on the shores of the Black Sea. That's where they're going. They're heading up to the north, as far as they can go. And again, this is a highly populated area. It's another region that has lots of cities. And again, it's well established with Jewish settlements. And so again, there's synagogues, there's places to preach, there's a platform for him and his team. Once again, it's an attractive proposition, isn't it? Now, it seemed like a field ripe under harvest, but once again, the Spirit intervenes. The Spirit tells them not to minister there either. At the end of verse 7 there we read, After they'll come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit suffered them not. Again, the Lord closes the door, just as he did with Asia. You know, they've gone to go west into Asia. The Lord shut the door. They travel north, and they're going to go even further north. And the Lord shuts 
the door and says no. You know, we know that the gospel eventually did go to Bithynia by missionaries that we're not told of in the word of God. Because the Apostle Peter writes to the brethren in Bithynia in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Just turn over there. First Peter 1 and verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So Peter later writes to, writes an epistle, and he writes to those in Bithynia. Perhaps Peter ended up having the privilege of ministering up there. The point is that once again, it wasn't God's timing. Now, it wasn't that God didn't want the people of Bithynia to have the gospel message. He did. Of course he did. But it wasn't where God wanted Paul at that particular moment. He had a greater purpose for him at this time. Paul wasn't the chosen vessel. It wasn't God's timing. God had other plans. And so having been prohibited from going any further north, Paul and his team now turn west and they travel along the border of Mysia and Bithynia and they come down to Troas in verse 8. It says, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. So basically go along the border there and they come back down to Troas, which is on the coast, okay, right on the other side of Asia, okay, that way for you guys, on the other side of Asia, okay, it's right on the coast. So he's basically skirted up and around Asia and come down to Troas on the coast. You know, Paul and his team here, they're, they're being led by the Spirit, aren't they? And being led by the Spirit, you know, with closed doors along the way, the Lord keeps directing, the Lord keeps changing their course. You know, I'm sure they were disappointed along the way, you know, that twice the Lord had shut the door. I'm sure Paul was disappointed, you know, because he's looking at all the people who need the gospel and the Lord keeps saying no. The Lord keeps hurrying him along, if you like. He's making him have a very swift journey. I'm sure he's a bit disappointed. But they obeyed the Lord... They follow the Spirit's direction and they end up at Troas. The city was located 16 kilometers from the ancient city of Troy. Okay, so I'm sure we all know about Troy. Okay, well, that's where Troy was, right near this city, Troas. It was a Roman colony and it was an important seaport because it connected Europe with Asia. Okay, bases right on the coast and all the shipping went past there and across from there to Europe to Greece and beyond. <clears throat> so it was an important city. Now I'm sure as Paul and his team arrived in trust, they were probably thinking, we've arrived. We're finally in the place God wants us to minister. You know, once again, the Lord had other plans. Once again, the Lord didn't want them to stop here and minister. You see, God was about to direct them to a totally new field across the sea. Once again, you know, a church was going to be started in Troas. We know that because in Acts chapter 20, when he comes back from his third missionary journey, he speaks to the brethren in Troas. And so there would be a church started in Troas, but that was not his purpose at this time. The Lord's still hurrying Paul on. He's got a purpose for Paul and his team. You see, the Lord brought them here because he had a plan and purpose you know, as yet, it was hidden from Paul, wasn't it? As yet, Paul and his team still had no idea what God was doing. 
Why is God shutting the door on Asia Minor? Why is God shutting the door on Bithynia? Why has God led us to try us? What is going on? They don't know, do they? They're in the dark, if you like, to the will of the Lord. So far, all they've done is run into closed doors. But God is directing them. God is guiding them. God has a plan. God has a purpose. I think there is a great lesson for us all here when we see closed doors, isn't there? Now, as believers, as I said a bit earlier, we often pray and the answer we want is yes. Yes, we want open doors, don't we? And the Lord shuts that door, but we keep praying and knocking on that door. And sometimes that's good to keep praying, of course, but we've also got to be willing to accept if it's a no, don't we? Oftentimes we become frustrated, we become discouraged when the answer is no. We can't understand it. We can't understand why the thing we're desiring is a good thing. It's to the glory of God. Why is God not answering? Why is God shutting that door? You know, our hearts are right with God. We're in his word. It's, it's for his glory. And yet he seems to be silent to our prayers. You know, the truth is God is answering. He's answering. It's just that the answer is not the one we want to hear. The Lord's saying no, or perhaps he's saying not yet. He did that with Ephesus with Paul, didn't he? Later on he'd get to go there. Perhaps he's saying not yet. Perhaps he's saying that we need to wait. See, the reality is we need to understand that God's plan, God's timing is always best. You see, we can't see beyond that closed door, can we? Maybe there's a reason why God shut that door. Maybe there's a reason why God's not opening that door, why he's not answering that prayer. God has a plan, doesn't he? We can't always see it, but we need to understand that God's in control. You know, when that happens, when those doors are closed, when it seems like the answer to our prayer is no, then like Paul and his team, we need to submit, don't we? Submit to God and be accepting of his will. That's a hard thing, isn't it? But sometimes that's what we have to do. Accept that it's not his will and say, okay, Lord, what is your will? Surrender. Submit to him. Because God has a plan and has a purpose in it all. And so we've seen the prohibition to visit. We see secondly here the pleading in the vision. The pleading in the vision. Verse 9, it says, And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavoured to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. As we come down to verse 9, we see that it's while they're here in Troas that the Lord now finally reveals his will. The Lord finally now, if you like, lifts the, the, the veil and allows Paul to see what his plan is. To see where it is that God wants him to go and minister next. And we're told here that Paul has a vision, a vision in the night. Now, Luke is very specific this time, isn't he? With the other two, he just says that the Spirit forbade them from entering in. The Spirit suffered them not. We're not told how he did that, but this time we're told clearly that Paul has a vision from the Lord. And in that vision, Paul sees a Macedonian man begging for Paul and his team to come over and help them. Just read verse 9 again. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. 
he sees this vision of a man begging them to come and help. You know, I'm not told what the help is here, but it's obvious from the context the help is the gospel, isn't it? They need the gospel message. And so after having all these doors closed to them, Paul and his companions finally have some direction. Macedonia is the place that they are to go to next, the place that God wants them to minister next, the next big mission field for Paul and his team. Macedonia was a a Roman province and it comprised roughly half of ancient Greece. So you go across the Aegean Sea and you end up in Greece, okay, Macedonia, ancient Greece. Half of ancient Greece is Macedonia. It's a large portion, a large place of ministry for them to go to. The region got its name from Philip of Macedon, who, of course, was Alexander the Great's father. So it got its name from him. As I said, it was a large field of ministry. And, you know, when Paul and his team set out, I'm sure they hadn't even thought of this, hadn't even thought about Macedonia. You know, their eyes were on Asia, and then Bithynia, and Mysia. They, They weren't even thinking about going across the Aegean Sea towards Europe. They weren't even thinking about going to Macedonia. You see, the point is, God knew best, didn't he? They had a plan, but it wasn't God's plan. They had an idea, but it wasn't God's idea, was it? God knew that there were hearts that were ready to receive the wonderful message in Macedonia. They were ready, they were ripe, they needed the gospel now. They were seeking it. And God knew that Paul and his team were the right men for the job. Verse 10 tells us that Paul and his team, they waste no time in setting out in response. Verse 10, it says, And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavoured to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. There's no hesitation here, is there? This is what Paul's been waiting for. There's no hesitation from Paul and his team. They, they heard the call of the Lord and immediately they make plans to go to go to Macedonia. Finally, they knew what God's direction was and they're not going to waste any more time. They're going to get to the work, get to the place of ministry. It's interesting here in verse 10 that we now have a fourth member of the missionary team. Did you notice it? Verse 10, it says, and after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavoured. We. Who's the fourth member of the team here? It's Luke. Luke's now joined the team in Trias. He shifts from writing they all the way to this point to now writing we because Luke is now part of the team. He's joined with them. And this is the first of the sections in the the book of Acts called the we sections. These are the the sections where Luke is personally travelling with the Apostle Paul. And this first we section here lasts until the end of the chapter. Because chapter 17 begins with Luke reverting back to they. Chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. So chapter 17, he reverts back to they again. Now what this indicates to us is that Luke probably remains in Philippi. Now that's where the majority of Acts chapter 16 takes place, is in the city of Philippi. And so more than likely, uh, Luke now stays in Philippi on his own at the end of this time. Perhaps he ends up pastoring the the group that's there, strengthening them in the ministry. 
because we don't see him again until Acts chapter 20 and verse 5, where he once again joins the team. Just turn over there. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20 and verse 5. It says, These going before us, uh, sorry, these going before tarried for us at Troas. And so this is the next time we see him. Verse 5, we see him again. Switch to talking about us, we. Because Luke has joined the team again in Acts chapter 20. And if you notice there in Acts chapter 20, it's when Paul is on his third journey and he's going back to Troas. He's on the return journey, okay? So he's been over to Macedonia again for a second time and now Luke has joined the team coming back. Now what that seems to indicate is to us is that Luke has spent a fair bit of time in Philippi in Macedonia, hasn't he? The rest of Paul's second missionary journey and the start of Paul's third missionary journey is spent with Luke in Macedonia. Well, at least that's what seems to be told us here in the book of Acts. But at least for now, Luke joins them on this missionary team as they head out across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia. You know, we could even say this was another reason that the Lord led them to Troas, couldn't we? To pick up Luke. You could say that was part of God's plan, wasn't it? That was part of God's providential care. That they came to Troas to meet with Luke so Luke could join the team and end up across the sea in Macedonia ministering there. See, the point is that God was leading them all the way, wasn't he? God had a purpose. There was a reason why God was rushing them past Asia, rushing them up around the top and down to Troas. There was a reason for it. Meet up with Luke and head across the sea to these people who needed the gospel message. You know, we likewise need to remember the Lord is in control, isn't he? He's in control. We may not know the reason for those closed doors, but God does. You see, God sees the big picture. We don't, do we? We only see what's right in front of us, immediately in front of us. God sees the big picture. God has a plan. And we can trust that everything he does is for his glory and for our good. Because God's in control. Thirdly, lastly here, we see now the path of the voyage. The path of the voyage. Read with me verse 11. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we're in that city abiding certain days. Verse 11 and 12 now record for us their journey across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia and then their eventual journey inland to Philippi. In verse 11 we're told they came with a straight course to, first of all, Samothrace, Samothracia. Okay, it's the island there on the way across. Basically they anchor for the night off that island and then they travel the next day to the port of Neapolis on uh, the coast of Macedonia. And the entire journey is, uh, sorry, is 210 kilometres long. And it took, took them only two days by ship. Now what that tells us is they had very good winds, didn't they? The Lord is pushing them along to get across. Because the same journey in Acts chapter 20 verse 6 took them five days. The return journey. It took them a lot longer to come back the other direction. So the Lord is pushing them along, isn't he? He's making sure they get there very swiftly. And after landing in Neapolis, we're told that they then travel inland to the city of Philippi. Verse 12, it says, 
and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we're in that city abiding in certain days. Now, this city, Philippi, was located 16 kilometers inland from Neapolis. And this is where they come to and basically set up their ministry. This is where the Lord's been leading them to, is to Philippi. We're told here that it's the chief city of that part of Macedonia. Now, Thessalonica is the capital city of Macedonia, but Philippi was the main city in that region, the main city in that area. We're also told here that it was a colony. Luke actually uses that word. He says, and a colony. And that's significant because he's pointing out to us that this is a Roman colony. Basically, what that means is it's a Rome away from Rome. Rome away from Rome. Basically, what the emperor would do is he would uh, order his uh, Roman citizens who had retired from military service to leave their homes in Italy and resettle elsewhere, to go and settle elsewhere so that there was a Roman presence in these cities, Roman colonies, a Rome away from Rome, if you like. And basically, in return from leaving their homes and relocating, they got special privileges. One of them was they didn't have to pay taxes for the rest of their lives. And this is why you end up later on in history, you have in Europe, even in England, you have Romans who are relocating there. Same thing, setting up Roman colonies and those citizens don't have to pay taxes in reward for what they're doing. And so basically it was the idea of having a Roman presence. This, this is important because the whole reason Paul ends up in jail is to do with all this, isn't it? Ends up in Philippi, in jail, to do with all this, the fact that it's a Roman colony. And so it's this city, Philippi, this Roman colony that Paul and his companions come to. And now they seek to begin a new work. Now it's all clear, isn't it? This is what God has been doing all the way in these few verses with all the closed doors, all the changing in direction, the swift movements. It's bringing them to this place. We don't have time this morning, so it's going to have to be next time. But as you read on in Acts chapter 16, Philippi ends up being a very profitable place. A very profitable place for the ministry. The Lord is definitely in the work. You know, this voyage across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia, you know, it turns out to be a very significant development in the spread of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, as Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said. You see, because of Paul's obedience to the direction of the Lord, the gospel goes west, ends up in Greece, and where does it go from there? It keeps going into Europe, doesn't it? It keeps going to the Western world because Paul obeyed the Lord. You know, Paul couldn't see the bigger picture at the time, could he? But God did. God saw that the spread of the gospel eventually lead to us here because Paul went west into Europe with the gospel. You know, we can praise God that Paul was willing to respond, willing to submit to the direction of the Lord. You know, as believers, we likewise need to be willing to submit. If God closes the door, well, then let's take that as an answer from God and seek what his will is. Submit, surrender to the Lord. You know, God is in control. There's a reason. There's a plan. There's a purpose behind it all. We just need to allow him to lead, don't we? Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the Apostle Paul and his missionary team. And Lord, the fact that they were sensitive to the Spirit. Lord, they allowed you to close doors and to guide them and direct them. 
across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia to spread the gospel into uh, the rest of Europe and onto the Western world. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Lord, we pray you help us likewise to be sensitive to the Spirit, sensitive to your call in our life to, to listen, to respond. Uh, Lord, if you close the door, Lord, help us to accept your answer and know you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a reason behind it. Lord, just help us to uh, surrender to you and follow your lead. Bless now as we close. May we ponder upon these truths, we pray in Jesus' name.